excited over here? All right. What about this side? Anybody excited on this side? Wait a minute. It's like all girls right here, ain't it? Oh, my God. It is all girls, right? Except one. I love you, dude. He's like, dude, I'm representing in the second row. I'm the only guy, but I, I love it still, right? But it's like all females right here, man, and it's okay, man. I, so elevate. You guys got nervous? All girls, now you get nervous. I'm going to give you a second chance. Here it is. Elevate. All girls over here, all right? Mostly dudes right here and stuff, right? Elevate. Oh, snap. This is what happens when you get, like, multi-gender together. This is what happens, like, all females. And then most of them, like, divas, like, what, what? And then this side's like, dude, I don't even care. Oh, uh, take that. That's what happens. So you guys got to, like, coexist together, right? Guy power, girl power, things like that, man. We'll do that next week, though. We'll try that out for next week, man. But I am excited to be here, man. I had an awesome time of rest in, um, in Hawaii, man, and it was awesome, awesome, awesome. If you want to know about it, just ask my wife, and uh, she'll tell you about it. Uh, but as far as that, you can just look at the tan. I'm not, like, glowing right now, right? Like, I don't look like a diamond right now. Like, usually when I'm up here, it's like, this guy is so white, he's like a diamond. He's just, like, shiny, right? It's not because, like, it's, you know, like the light of Jesus. It could be, but I think it's because I'm just pale, you know what I mean? But I got some color now. Praise God, man. But I am excited to be back here in Elevate, man. This is my home, and, uh, and I love to be here every Friday. It's not a burden for me. I love this stuff, and I love seeing you guys. And especially when you guys come every single Friday, it encourages me because I know you guys are not coming back for, like, Xbox or because Steve just, you know, says things real nice and he makes it real sweet. And, I know, he doesn't make us repent or, or say that we're sinners and have to repent. But, no, you guys coming back because, it's like, dude, this is, there's something real going on here. Can I get an Amen. There's something real in Elevate, and you guys keep coming back. And it is not the we, it is not Xbox. I believe it's just Jesus Christ and the love of God. Amen? If you guys feel like that, say amen. amen. Praise God, man. So right now we're going to continue in our sermon series, which is the war within us. How many people have been enjoying this series, the war within us? You can clap and give it up to Jesus. Amen? Today we're going to talk about the goodness of God. Somebody say the goodness of God. There's a very, I mean, you know, we think about the goodness of God. It's like, yeah, we know God is good. We got that. He is good. Ooh, uh, and like we love it. You know what I mean? But the thing is, in our minds and in our heart of hearts, do we really believe that God is good? Or do we believe that God is able of, of carrying out evil? Or able of carrying out uh, sin? Or able of carrying out lies? Do we believe that God is a promise keeper, holy, sacred, sinless, pure to the fullest extent that one can be pure? Do we really believe that? And so we answer the question and say, yeah, we believe that. Then the next question, the automatic next question would then be is, then why doesn't it reflect in our lives? Why is it when things happen, all of a sudden we forget that God is good? Why is it that when a boy or girl breaks our heart, we forget that God is the one who gave us heart and gave us love, real love, and so therefore that stuff doesn't phase us? Why is it that we're going through trials and tribulations and even sinful things, we forget the goodness of God? And so if God is good, then therefore we ought to be replicas of God's goodness. We ought not to be a reflection of opposite of what is God, meaning evil or sin. We ought to, in fact, be the, the exact reflection of God's holiness and God's goodness every day of our lives. It shouldn't be a time where it's like, hey, I'm taking a vacation to Hawaii, so it gives me an excuse to sin. God forbid. 
It's not, hey, I'm graduating high school and, you know, man, I don't have the responsibility. I'm going to turn up this summer. It's going down. I'm trying everything, weed, pills, molly, acid, whatever it is. I'm just going to do it and God understands what's going on. That's not the case here because then I removes the fact of saying that God is a good God, at least in their minds. And so right now we're going to go into the next verses, which is James chapter 1, verse 16, 17, and 18, just three verses. And so this is how the verse reads. Don't be deceived. Somebody say, don't be deceived. My brothers and sisters, or my dear brothers and sisters. Any brothers and sisters in Christ out there? Right, anybody out there? Where are my sisters at? Oh, she got it. Let me try this again. I'm gonna, just by yourself. Where are my sisters at? Woo, that's how we do that, right? Where are my sisters at? Oh, my sisters. Who said who are? Oh, my goodness, man. Where are my sisters at? There you go. Where are my brothers at? There it is, right? So you see what's going on. We are talking to my sisters, and he's talking to our brothers. There we go, man. So he is talking to each and every one of us, and he's saying, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Where does every perfect gift come from? From the Father of heavenly lights. Scripture's behind me. Who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And so last week we talked, or Lawrence talked about it, made it clear, or made a clear distinction of temptation to sin and where it comes from to where it ends, which is death. And so in that sense of death, according to the scriptures, it could be a spiritual death. And for some, it could be even a, a physical death to the point where somebody commits suicide, right? In the Bible, Judas committed suicide. So his sin led to a literal death where he hung himself and he killed himself physically. But before he did that, he was already dead spiritually. Spiritually, he began to die. And then it went on ahead and manifested physically that he killed himself. And so sin leads to ultimate death. James made it clear that sin does not come from God. And so we cannot blame God. But in fact, sin came and comes from within us, according to James 1.14. We are the originators of evil and sin, and so must rely upon the Lord that we do not get dragged away by sin. How many remember the sermon last week? Well, whoever was here, right? He, Lawrence talked about being dragged away by sin. And see, it doesn't just happen instantly. It's not all of a sudden, you know, the devil or, or your sin or temptation grabs you by the ankle and starts pulling you right away. It doesn't happen like that. For some of us, it could happen like that depending on how far you are with your evil desires. Where that one temptation, all of a sudden, you're not being dragged away. You are running toward the sin to commit that sin. But it's a process until you get to that dragged away part. And the process is the evil desires that are within our hearts. It is the heart that becomes the issue. It is the issues of the heart that produces desires based upon this carnal flesh that produces a sin that goes directly against God. And so once that desire is conceived, it then gives birth to sin. And then when sin reaches its full maturity, gives birth to death. And so there is a process that goes on from there. But this process did not come from God, even though God created us. 
and created us in his image. But yet evil did not come from God. He did not create God, and he wasn't the originators of God. According to James, the one who created evil and the one who created sin was us. It was a human being. Yes, the devil came and tempted us, but we cannot blame the devil because ultimately we made the decision to sin. Some of us may say, man, stupid Adam is all his fault. Stupid Eve is all their fault. Why they had to sin? But believe it or not, if you were in the same position, you would have sinned too. No, I wouldn't have, Pastor Steve, I'm better than that. Then why are you sinning now? Why are you choosing to sin now? And so it doesn't make us better than Adam and Eve. It makes us exactly just like Adam and Eve. And the fact of the matter is we must take ownership that the fact is we are the originators of evil and sin and therefore must allow God to deal with our very hearts that is sinful. And so we must deal with the war within us to sin by taking ownership for our sin and need to be saved and born again. I hope many of you do not continue to make excuses for your sin but take ownership and go to the Lord for forgiveness and newness of life to sin less. See, a Christian is identified not just one who, like, completely stops sinning because it's not a matter of if they sin. It's a matter of when they sin. But the fact of the matter is they should be sinning less. See, it shouldn't be a matter that we're being dragged away now or we're running to sin. It should be a matter now that I'm growing in my relationship with God, and so therefore I sin less. I don't continue to sin more and more. I actually begin to sin less and less. There should be a, dig uh, what do you call it, a digression, how you say it? Digression, right? There it is, that word. You guys know, there's an English teacher somewhere around here. I love her. She's out there, Ashley. Listen, though, tonight we continue our series of the war within us and focus on the goodness of God. It is that goodness of God that gives only good and perfect gifts. How many people like gifts out there? Right? Some of y'all like me. All oh, y'all like gifts. Stop lying. Right? When you graduate, you're like, look, where is my gift? I see balloons. Where's my car? Like, where's my car? Right? Like, some of y'all really wanted cars and stuff and, like, all these other things. You wanted a gift. And so who never, God, who never leads us to sin in these gifts or gives us things to sin, leading to death, but gives us gifts that lead and leads to life everlasting, starting right now, that leads into eternity. When does life everlasting start? When does it start? You can, learn, you can just blur it out. When does it start? No. Let me get a phone over here from one of you girls, because y'all looking at me like, I already know this. Well, I want to hear this. When does eternity start in your life? Does it start tomorrow? Does it start when we die and go to heaven? When does it start? Can you say it louder? It starts now. Did you guys hear Jazzy? Let's give it up for Jazzy, man. Her boldness. It starts right now. So we don't wait, and we talked about this in our last sermon series. We don't wait for tomorrow. We don't say, well, when we get there, you know what I mean, and we, we, we achieve this everlasting life, then I'll stop sinning. No. When your mindset knows that you have everlasting life now, things will begin to change perspective will begin to change. The way you look at things will begin to change. You will start realizing this world is not really what it's cracked up to be. It will begin to change because we know we have eternity now and so therefore can enjoy God now in his presence right now, face to face with God right now. Amen? And so after saying that, that was just the introduction. I want us to pray real fast and I want us to really focus on the goodness of God. And as we pray right now, some of you guys, how many graduates we have out here? Raise your hands, right? Right? Raise them up proud like I did. You could even yell like, yo, right? 
graduates, right? You're probably excited. We got a lot of Brantano kids that graduated. Praise God. Some graduates over here, right? Shout out to Brantano. I made. I was in Brantano like fifth grade back in the days, and I actually used to get whipped in Brantano by the teacher. It was like she was bogus. She would paddle me. Legit. I was in there when they were still teaching French. I don't know what they're teaching now, but obviously they didn't make it in Brantano. I got kicked out. I was a bad kid, but it went from there. But the thing is, right, so as we think about it right now, think about all the good gifts God has given you. Think about salvation. The fact that God forgives sins. The fact that we do not live in the law anymore. We actually live in grace. Think about the goodness of God as we pray right now. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, Lord, we thank you for your good gifts, your good and perfect gifts. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for loving us first that allowed us to love you in return. We thank you for loving us so much that we're able to love ourselves and love others, God. We thank you, God, for your good gifts, God. We thank you that you're God Almighty. And, Lord, we pray tonight, God, that we will see you for who you are that you will be the God in our life that you want to be and not, that what, not what we want you to be, God. But that, Lord, you will be supreme, that you will be sovereign, all-powerful, that you will be all good in our lives, God. Lord, speak to us today by the power of your Holy Spirit and have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen and amen. We read in the very beginning, right, of verse 17, what did it say? Do not. You can say it loud. It's okay. Right, he, right there, do not be deceived. That is what James says. He gets this because he gets it from the beginning of last week's sermon in the scriptures. And the scriptures last week said this. When, we, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. You guys remember that? No one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And then he follows that statement by saying, do not be deceived. What is he talking about, Pastor Steve? Why is he saying these things? What, what are you talking about not to be deceived? And this is what he is saying. When we are tempted and go through trials, it is easy to be deceived and thinking that God is the one leading you to commit evil and sin and or, listen to this now, and or okay with you sinning and or understands that you are going through a lot and so is okay with you sinning. God is never okay with you sinning or taking a vacation of and in sin, let alone blaming him for it. He is not okay with that. Don't be deceived in thinking that God is okay with that, even though there's some people here that make those statements and those declarations when somebody like a real Christian comes up to you and says, man, I thought you were a Christian, and then we respond and say, nobody's perfect. God understands. Is that not the same thing as claiming that God understands that you are sinful and therefore must be sinful as well? Think about that. If we're saying that we're not perfect and that God understands our sin, what we really are saying is that God is capable of sinning himself because he understands and accepts my own sin. May it never be because God is a good God. And so we cannot be deceived in thinking that God understands that you are a sinner. He does not understand that. He understands that you are a sinner, but he does not understand or accept your sinning at any given time. 
That is not the God of the Bible. And so, yes, God understands the fact that you choose to sin, and he also understands that now you must be judged, and that one day you will be judged. Now he understands that once you sin, you sin, you cut off a relationship with God in that sense because he cannot approach you in that sin because God is a sinless God. And Malachi says he can't even be around sin. He can't even look upon sin, let alone agree with sin and say, I understand, keep sinning. I know you're going through a lot. You lost your mother. Keep sinning. It's okay. I understand. Man, God, I lost my brother, God. I, I, I failed eighth grade, God, and now I'm going through Brentano again. Or, man, God, I failed freshman, and now i got to go through it again. Man, God, they held me back for my graduation, and I can't graduate this year. i got to wait next year, God. Man, don't you understand? Don't you understand how I feel? And we start smoking weed. We start having sex. And we say, God understands, Pastor Steve. God understands, Carol. God understands. He knows I'm going through a lot. So he's like, it's okay, son. Here, take some weed. I understand. I grew it. It's my plant. Here, take it. We start making excuses, dumb excuses like that. Here, it's okay. Just have some sex and, you know, go on ahead and, you know, get yourself a little boyfriend. And here, it's okay. I understand. That is not the God of the Bible. That is not the God of the Bible. No. We must take ownership and recognize that sin and evil is coming from within us, and so we must go to the Lord to deal with such sin. We find ourselves in such a predicament of sin and misery we, misery because that's what sin leads to, a miserable life. And so you may be having fun right now and say, well, I, I don't believe that because right now I'm sinning and everything feels all good. And it may feel all good because the devil has you in a nice, comfortable position right now. But let you try to come back to God and see how miserable you will be. Let you continue on doing that drug, and eventually that drug is not enough to mask your misery, and so you move to the next drug, the next drug. And all of a sudden this summer, if you don't get right with God, you end up doing things that you thought you would never do. Things that only people that are ultimate sinners that you once claimed that were once sinners and would say, I would never do that. And all of a sudden, you're doing that plus more. And you can't even look at yourself in the mirror because you have misery dwelling inside of you because of sin. Not because of God, but because of the sin that is inside of you. And so by our own choosing, and so cannot blame God or anyone else for such sin and evil, not even the devil. See, because the devil has no power over us. He can tempt us, but he cannot make us sin. We choose that. We choose that. And so listen to this, letter A. When we attempt to equate God to be like us in sin and evil, we no longer are honoring God for who he is, good and holy, with no capacity to sin or commit evil. We are and have created a God in our own image and likeness who is not God at all. And James says to that regard, don't be deceived. So when we make excuses and claim God understands, God understands, he's still my Lord, he's still my buddy, he's still cool with me. I come to tell you today by the power of the Spirit, you are no longer serving the God of the Bible. You are serving a God that you created in your own image and your own likeness, full of sin and evil, and that's not Jesus at all. Even though you call his name Jesus, it is not the Jesus of the Bible. Don't be deceived. This day and age, when we look at our culture, when we look at our society, our friends, and even our best friends, a lot of them are homosexual, a lot of them are in gangs, a lot of them selling drugs, a lot of them dishonor their mother and their father, they don't care to do good, they love evil, and they, they still claim to be a Christian. 
Are they serving the Christian God we serve? No, they're not. They have been deceived and thinking, I can be homosexual, I can commit abortion, I can be racist, I can do all these other things, and God is still giving me the ultimate smile and thumbs up and said, right on. I'm still your friend. That is not the God of the Bible. We cannot sit here and claim to be homosexual, homosexual and claim to be sinning on a constant basis and still claim to have a relationship with God or still claim that that is God accepting your sin because that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a holy God. He is a good God. A good God that cannot commit evil, let alone approve of it. So don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived in thinking that you can create a God in your own image, a God in your own likeness, which your likeness is a likeness of sinful nature and evil and sin. That's not the God of the Bible, even though you say his name is Jesus. That's not Jesus of the Bible. So we need to understand what James is saying. Do not be deceived. I am a good God, not an evil God, not a God who approves sin. And if you claim that I am in your life, then your life should replicate the God that I am. Not the God that you want me to be, but the God that I am in heaven with all power, with all sovereignty, sitting, looking low, sitting high and looking low, sees all things, in control of all things, all powerful, all knowing and everywhere at all times. Holy, omnipotent, omniscient, God, almighty, sovereign, sinless, pure, not the God that this world is trying to create. No matter how they cover it up, no matter what position they take, if it's opposite of the word of God, it is not Jesus of the Bible. And so I don't care, I don't care who it is, Trump, uh, Oprah Winfrey, whoever it is, Lady God, it don't make a difference who they are. It could be a, a famous preacher on TV. If he is assuming that God is okay with his sin and he's still doing that, he has deceived himself and he's now creating a God in his own image. His own likeness. And that is not Jesus, family. And the next one is the war within us to avoid taking ownership of how our lives has ended up due to sin and blame others for our wrongdoing. That is the war. See, back last week in those scriptures, what was happening was that these people were attempting to blame God for leading them to sin. It was a blame game. You guys ever do that? I didn't do it. She did it. I'm pretty sure Walrus' sisters did that, right? I can, I can see it right now, right? Uh, Diana's like, look, man, it wasn't me. It was her. Knowing she did it, but she didn't want to admit to it. She had a little part to it. But even though that little part was a big part, she still blamed your senior for it. And your senior probably got beat up for it. Mama wasn't playing games. She got whooped, and she's looking at Diana, taking the whooping like, oh, I'm going to get you, right? And so we even do it as adults. We even do it as people. We refuse to look at ourselves and say, I am the one committing the sin. I am the one who has the desires to commit evil. I have committed such a thing, and it is not of God. It is of me, and so therefore I must take ownership. But the war within us says, no, it's TJ's fault. TJ did it. And you don't even know TJ, but you're just like, I just heard his name elevate. He did it. We go talk to TJ. He don't even know your name, let alone know you. But yet you're blaming him. But we do that all the time, right? It's my parents' fault. Why are you so jacked up? What's going on? It's not me. It's, it's my parents. It's because they don't love me, so now I just hate everybody. What? It's my school's fault. It's Brantano's fault. It's their fault. It's my teacher. She was dumb, stupid. 
trying to teach me math, supposed to be trigonometry, and we're supposed to be learning algebra, and she's trying to teach us trigonometry. I failed because of her. And we put the blame again on everybody else except the one in the middle. Do not be deceived. My brothers and sisters, take ownership of the sin and the desires of evil that's in your heart and let God deal with it today. And so the next one is we must take ownership and recognize that God is the origin of good and not evil. Look at what it says when he goes on. God is the good gift giver. Somebody say that. God is the good gift giver. That's what he is. Why is he saying this? Listen, we all in our pursuits of and in this life, right, are looking for good and perfect gifts. How many people are looking for some good gifts? We're looking for good in the world and everywhere else. We're looking for good in a boyfriend, girlfriend. Man, look, if you look like you could bring me some good in my life, let me get that. I'll take that. But no, we all are trying to pursue these kind of things. But it's only God. Perfect gifts and good gifts come only from God who can and has given good and perfect gifts that he gives for life and godliness and in prayer. There is two kind of things that the scripture says. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good gift is a gift that he gives us automatically. It's a good gift. Salvation. Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins. Perfect gift is the one that becomes completely moral, meaning he never gives us a gift that has strings attached to them. Think about this. He never gives us gifts that has strings attached to them that leads to sin. You know who does that? The devil, yes. Ourselves. People of this world with a sinful nature and a sinful heart. Girl, I love you. You know I love you, man. It's eighth grade, man. We on prom. Come on, let's work this out. No. No, you know. Boy, stop. Like, girl, come on, man. I got you, man. I don't even worry about it. Like, we're going to be good. You know, we, we're safe and we're good. You know what I mean? Like, no, man, no. He convinced you. He enticed you, as we talked about last week, right? And all of a sudden, you think this is a good thing. It's going to make you feel good temporarily. And all of a sudden, you come out with some kind of STD. Or you come out pregnant. And now you're like, what did this good thing give me? It was a string attached to that good thing that you thought was good because it didn't come from God. It came from your own pursuits. It came from your evil desires. It came from this world. It came from this world. And so look at this. This is what God does. Second Peter 1.3 says this. If you can put it up there. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You see, God's gift, he gives us everything that we need so we can live this life the way he wants us to live it. And not only that, but he gives us all things so we can live a life that is godly in his eyes. A godly life here, now, on earth, and into eternity. That is the kind of gifts that God gives us. Every gift that God gives us, in fact, would always lead to more life. And more godliness. We are the ones who destroy such a gift and then we blame God as though God was the one who has strings attached to his perfect gift. No, no, it wasn't that. It was our sinful heart. It was our evil desires. Look at this. The war within us comes when we attempt to worship the gift rather than the gift giver. Watch out. God, I need you, Lord. I need you, God. Lord, bless me with a job, God. 
Yes, Lord, I love you, God. Yeah, I need a job, God. I want to be responsible. I want to be a responsible young lady, a responsible man. God, I need a job. And God, in his awesomeness, he answers our prayer and he says, here you go. I give you a good job. And all of a sudden, what happens? This job, although it came from God, we tainted and made it evil. And then after that, we blame God. I said, God, you're the one who gave me this job. And this is how it happens. We begin to worship the gift rather than the gift giver. Because God gives us the job, and you know what we do? We stop coming to church because of that job. Well, God, you gave me this job, so now I can't come to church on Sundays. God, you gave me this job, so now I can't come to Elevate. God, you gave me this wisdom. So now I got this. I can do things on my own. God, you gave me the the, the ability to run really fast in track and field. You gave me the ability to play football and catch it with my hands. God, you gave me the ability to grab this basketball, dribble this sucker, take it to the hole, slam it, do layups and all this other stuff. God, you gave me this gift. And God is saying, yes, I did give you that gift. But it was never so that gift can come before me. Never for that gift to come before me. God, you gave me this husband. God, you gave me this wife. God, you gave me these children. Yes, I did, but never to go before me. But she's my wife, but never to come before me. But she's my husband, but never to come before me. But this is my children we're talking about, but never to come before me. Because God must come first at all times. The moment we begin to worship the gift rather than the gift giver, we have turned that very good gift into an evil gift now. And it's not God's fault. It's our fault. It is our fault. And so, therefore, when God gives us a gift, it is, our, it is our due diligence to grab that gift and use the gift for the purpose it was intended to, to worship God. God, I thank you for giving me this job. God, I want to honor you. and I'm going to pay my tithes 10%. Here you go, God. God, they're trying to get me to work on Sunday. But you know what? If you gave me this job, I'm going to go tell my manager I can't work on Sundays because I'm a Christian and I need to go to church. And God, you work that out. And God, if they don't do it, then I know that this door has closed and you're going to give me another job that I can have Sundays off and, and be able to go to church on Fridays and go to life group. That is honoring God with your gift. God, thank you for this boyfriend, Lord God, who is godly and honors me, God. And Lord, through him, we're going to worship you together. We're going to grow in this dating relationship and become husband and wife that would honor your kingdom, God. We're going to do it holy. We're going to do it sanctified. God, we're going to do it unto you. That is a God who gives good gifts when we honor him with those gifts. But it is our evil hearts who twist these gifts and begin to worship the gift rather than the, good, the gift giver, the one who is good. When we recognize that all that is good comes from God, we will be hesitant to look for good anywhere else, especially in the world. You see, all of us want a good life, right? All of us want good education. We want a good job. We want a good family. We want a good husband and wife. We don't want them to beat on us or some crazy stuff. My wife just punched me in the forehead with her ring. Not as, she hit me by accident. I got this. Like, Lord, help me. My wife, whatever. But that's another thing. We don't want our, you know, our spouse to beat on us, right? But the thing, and I was an accident. I was just messing around. But the thing is, right, we look for these good things in the world because we forget that God is a good God. Listen, when the Bible says words like every, it means every. Every good and perfect gift. If God has every good and perfect gift in his hands, 
Why would you think going into the world, looking for sin, looking for good in the world, would ever amount to anything good? If God holds every good gift in his hand, if he is a good God and knows how to give good gifts to his children, why will we go somewhere else? You see, what's happening is here is that there's a contrast between last week's sermon and the scripture that we talked about last week, that evil comes from us, between, the, between what's going on now in the scriptures, and is this. Everything that we try to seek on earth, in our flesh, equates to destruction and evil and sin. Because it comes from down here. But every good gift comes from above, from one who is ultimately good and never could sin or do evil or give you some kind of rock in place of bread, as Jesus said, or a snake. Like here, just take a snake. No. He gives us the exact opposite of what sin gives us. Sin leads to death, while the good giver leads to life. He gives us life. Life. And so we must recognize that, God, you're a good God, and everything good and perfect comes from you. And when you recognize that and implant that inside your brain and plant it inside your heart, we will no longer be in the world looking for good where good can never be found. Yes, you may have some good people. Yes, you may have some good jobs. Yes, you may have a good boyfriend. But at what cost? But at what cost and what strings came with that gift? Because in the end, those strings will make that gift a gift you want to give right back. A gift that you don't want to keep, but some of us hold on to. It becomes, it becomes a stronghold instead of something we once loved. And so we need to understand another thing that God does not change. So the Bible says, right, if we can move on to the next verse. Don't. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God does not change. He is the Father of heavenly lights. He's the one who created the sun, the moon, and the stars. He is the one who orchestrated them, who put order to the sun that it comes up every single time and goes down every single time. He is the one who created the moon that lights by night and then goes down so the sun can light by day. He is the one who created the stars that, we, that twinkles in the nighttime when it's a clear sky. You can see it. And none of them have a shadow. None of them. And James uses these things in the firmaments or the heavens or the heavens to give us an understanding of who he is. He has no shadow. Just like a star, when you look at it, do you ever see a shadow? You ever see a shadow in the sun? You ever see a shadow in the moon? You don't see no shadow. It might be covered by something, but there's no shadow in the moon or the sun. And what God is saying about himself through James is that God never changes. He never changes. If God has given you a good gift, that gift is good. The one who changes it is you and the evil heart. If God told you promises and said, listen, I'm going to bless you. Hold on through his trial. Hold on through these things. Ask for wisdom. I got you. Listen, his promises will never change because God never changes. And so just like the heavenly lights do not change or have a shadow, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, according to Hebrews 13.8. He never changes. He is the same. You know who changes? Feelings. Emotions. People. Humans. Our heart. Our mind. It changes. And see, when we create an image of God 
in our own image, in our own likeness, you know what begins to happen? We lose trust. Because one day we don't feel like something anymore. The next day we don't feel like loving anymore. The next day after that, this guy that said he loves me says now he doesn't love me. He had a change of heart. And so what happens is that when we equate God to being like us, we then look at God as though he cannot be trusted because he will change just like we can. And so we try to bring God into our terms and make him like us. And so because we change and we're never consistent in sticking to our word, we think God is the same way and he is not. He is a God that does not change. He is a God who keeps promises. God does not give with strings attached. He does not trick you or deceive you when he gives and having a hidden agenda. No, God gives perfectly and he gives good gifts. He gives that. When he says you are saved, that means you are saved. There's no change to that. You can't take that away unless you choose to. Nobody can take it from you. The devil can't say you're not saved. I took that. No. When he says you are saved by believing and having faith in Jesus Christ, that stands. It stands. But don't be deceived and give that to the enemy. When God says and promises, he does not change his mind. And so we can trust him. Does anybody trust God in this place? The next one, he shows his good nature in choosing to give us birth. Listen, in contrast to sin that gives death, the Bible says through James that he chose us. He showed his good nature by choosing to give us life and not death. You see, when we put God on our spectrum, in our likeness, In our nature, we think that God enjoys death in our life. We think that God is going to equate to something that is evil or something that is wrong or not a good gift. But according to God and his word, he chose to show his good nature by giving us life. Even though ourselves desires death and sin and evil. He gives us life. And so what does that mean? What is God trying to say? We did not do anything to earn our birth in God. Listen to this. We didn't earn God saying, give us birth. God, I did all this, so God, give me birth, change my life. No. And so should live in gratitude to the birth God gave us, just like we do with our parents who gave birth to us physically. And so spiritually, God gives birth to us. He makes us born again. He gives us life through Jesus Christ. He shows his goodness by giving us life and good gifts and not how the the world gives or we give ourselves, which equates to evil and sin. And so, so through the word of truth, Jesus the word, we are born again and born of God. Listen, in contrast to what sin does in giving birth to death, God gives birth to life in us and that by his doing, showing his good gifts, always lead to life. God's gifts should always be used to lead us to life in God. And then he goes on and says that we must be the first fruits of all creation. And you're probably wondering, what is first fruits? What is that? Where does that even come from? First fruits are something that they gave in the Bible. And even now, when they make crops and let's say a farmer, he he made uh, corn and a whole bunch of stalks of corn. What he did was 10% of the first crops that grew. He gave that back to God. Just like with money, 10% of our earnings from our money of our job, we give it back to who? To God. 
We consecrate it. We set it apart for God and say, God, I'm not touching this. This belongs to you. It is the first fruits of my income. When we wake up in a day, we have 24 hours. We give God our first fruits of our time, our first fruits of our day by praying and seeking his face and worshiping him. At least so we should. And that equates to first fruits given back to God. But here, God is saying in bodily form, in our lives, we ought to be the first fruits of all he created. What is he saying, Pastor Steve? First fruits were consecrated to the Lord and given back to God. And so we are to be consecrated and set apart unto the Lord, showing the goodness of God to the world as his first fruits who live and act like children of God, born of God. You see, God saved us with a purpose. And that purpose is to show the world the goodness of God Almighty. It's to show God's character, God's nature, God's love, God's ability to give good gifts, perfect gifts. And you could raise your hand and say, he did it in me. He did it in me. Man, Steve, you were jacked up. You were in gangs. You were a gang chief. You were all messed up. How did you change your life? People ask me that. What happened? And it's a very simple thing. God made me born again. He gave me the ultimate good gift. He changed my life. He did something nobody else could have done in this world, but he did it for me, and he could do it for you. All you have to do is look at a real believer's life, and you will see the goodness of God. You will see it by the way they smile, by the way they laugh, by the joy that they exude in them and through them. You will see the goodness of God. And the question is, can they see the first fruits in your life? Can they see you as a child of God exuding God's goodness through your life and to the world? Is that something people can see if we could all stand up? So we should be examples of the goodness of God in our lives as representatives of God's born-again people. The good gift of salvation should be appreciated by a life that is dedicated to God in all aspects and times of life. Listen, so far in our series, we've been talking about trials and tribulations, the war that happens within us and happens within our mind. And we wonder, why do I keep shaking? Why have I become double-minded? What is going on with me? And the simple answer is we forget that God is a good God. And so we become double-minded. Will God keep his promises? Will God get me through this? Will God do it? And the answer is yes. Because God is a good God. Because he loves us. If I can get somebody in the keys, uh, Daryl. And the thing is, our response to a good God, just like the first fruits, is that we give it back to God. Why do you guys love your parents? Why do you love them? What made you love them? What made you want to serve your parents? Right? It can't just be because they'll beat you up, Right? Some of y'all are like, look, man, if I don't listen to my mom, she's whooping me. Belt's coming out. The chancleta's coming out. She's throwing stuff at me. She's like a ninja in the matter what she throws at me. She hits me in the back of the head. Mom, don't play. But realistically, what, what makes you put up with that stuff? You know what it is? It's the fact that it's your mom. It's your dad. It's the one that gave birth to you. And because of that, you have a grateful heart. Because in their goodness, they gave birth to you. And in response, for the rest of your life, you honor your mother and your father. 
You serve them whatever they need. When they get old, you'll push them in the, in the uh, at least some of you guys, I would hope, right? Push them in the wheelchair. Go visit them in the nursing home, right? Help them, buy them groceries, cook a good meal for them. You'll do it, not because you have to, but because you respond to their goodness as a parent. How much more should we do that with, should we do that with God Almighty? How much more should we respond by saying, God, you gave me life, spiritual life, everlasting life. You're a good God. And because of that, I give you back my life. And I give it to you as the first fruits of my all. That I will consecrate myself to you. That I will set my life apart to you, God, so that I can represent you here in this world. Because you're a good God. And so in conclusion... God is not the author author of evil and sin, but is the author and source of good, and therefore all good and perfect gifts come from God. He never changes and so will never give with strings attached as, does, as sin does, but instead keeps his promises and gives good gifts that lead us to life and godliness in him. He proves his goodness and gift giving and giving the ultimate gift of salvation and making us born again and born of God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, we ought to be the first fruits of the Lord and being dedicated to people, being dedicated people who are dedicated to Christ always. The war of blaming others and misusing gifts can be won by taking ownership for our own actions and putting God first before all things and all people. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, I have three questions for you guys. And this is the first one. Have you been deceived and so caught up in sin that has brought nothing but misery and spiritual death and blaming others for, for it, including God? Have you created an image and called it Jesus and yet it's not Jesus at all? Have you been deceived? If that's you, then I will come to the one who is God, who gives good and perfect gifts spiritually and physically, and who gives all things for you to live a godly life. I would encourage you to repent and ask God to forgive you for creating idols and images of God who is not God at all in your life and by the way you live your life. Have you taken the gift of God and made it the gift God and made the gift God by putting the gift before the gift giver? Have you been worshiping that gift that God has blessed you with and so turned that gift into something evil when God gave it to you in perfectness and goodness? Has he blessed you with a job or, or blessed you with, with wisdom or, or the ability to have, play sports or whatever it is and you put those things before God? God calls that idolatry. It's a sin. It's a commandment that you have broken. And if that's you, I would say come and confess your sin and receive forgiveness from the Lord and put God first in seeking God with the gifts he has given you. Have you been living as the first fruit of the Lord in total dedication to him and representation of his goodness to the world? Have you been living like that? You see, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're dealing with. But what I do know is that God is a good God. And the goodness of God gives good and perfect gifts. Some of you may say, I tried that before. I tried that before. Are you sure you tried it with the God of the Bible, the God you created? 
Because I know the God of the Bible, the one I serve, always gives good and perfect gifts to me. And many of us here today, but if that is you, I encourage you to come up here and deal with your sin unto God. If you have not dedicated your life to God, then I will come up here and say, God, forgive me of my sins and help me, God. Make me born again. Give me that perfect gift that comes with no strings attached, God. And help me experience your goodness, God. That is the God we serve. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you, Lord God, for this time, God. And I thank you, Lord God, that we no longer have to be deceived, but God, that we can know where evil comes from, which comes from us, and we can know where good comes from, which comes from you, God. And that, Lord, we would never put you in a category of evil, but we would always, Lord God, consider you as a good God, a holy God, a perfect God, an awesome God, a good giver, a perfect giver, a savior, a redeemer, God, that we would never transfer you over to the other side. God, that way we would never trade you in for our sin and evil, God. But that, God, we would honor you and that we will respond to your goodness with a grateful heart that you have given us and chosen to give us life. We never earned it. You gave it to us freely, God. And because of that, we should live for you for the rest of our lives. God, have your way in this place. Touch every heart. Touch every mind, God. I pray that people will take ownership of their lives today, take ownership of their sin, and come confess it, God, because you're ready to forgive it, God. I thank you, Lord God, that there is no sin that you would not forgive. God, have your way in this place, God, in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If that is you and you need prayer, and you need to confess these things to God, I invite you now. This altar is open. Come deal with it. Let God heal you. Let God have